0: Let me talk just for a second about the network relationship. It's something new. Uh, there's not, uh, it's not a familiar thing for us to do. We're distinct churches. So Daybreak Community Church, Renfrew Baptist Church are distinct churches. But we have figured out, let's come together and share resources together. So today, Brett and Megan are leading us in worship. And they're from, from Renfrew. And they get to love on a congregation that is different than, than Renfrew. I get to, to lead in, in two environments, two different environments. We don't want to create copycat churches. What we want to create is, here's our way of serving Airdrie, and here's our way of serving Renfrew. And a couple weeks ago, at Renfrew, we added a Spanish congregation to our our congregation, they're a part of the network. And so we believe that God just is going to keep bringing individuals. One thing that you can pray for is that, uh, as we here at daybreak look for a site pastor, that God would bring the right person here. Our site pastor is going to be someone who is in charge of creating ministries here for Erry in Eridry. Now, they'll be a part of the network. They might preach at Renfrew sometime. Uh, they might uh, do some ministry with Renfrew, but they are their love is right here at, at daybreak. So you can start to pray. We're looking for one at Renfrew too. So uh, here, here's the interesting thing, and, and it's kind of been a, a, a normal summer for us. We've looked at some attributes of, of who God is, and here's what we're going to talk about today. What happens when we feel like God can't love us? You know, we we understand it. It's a common thing for us. But it's also a thing that we doubt the most. I mean, we know that God is loving. We know that he's a loving father. But then sometimes the train just kind of goes off the track a little bit. There's some challenges that get created inside of us. For some of you, you have spectacular dads. Here on earth. And for some of you, you have dads that maybe were absent or not such a great dad. Uh, The truth of the matter is, and, and the best statistics we can find is actually in the States in regards to this, but since 1995, 15 million children on average live in a single mother home. That's a lot of people. Now, You might have a great dad. You might have not so great of a dad. But I want to unpack for you what it actually means to have a heavenly father. On the screen behind me, you're going to see this verse. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to just kind of bounce into it. We're going to bounce out of it. We're going to look at another story. But 1 John 3.1 says this. See. Observe. Observe. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And I love this little uh, extra that the author put in, and that is what we are. Well, Here's what I want you to do, just so I know that you're awake with me. I want you to turn to the person beside you, and I want you to tell them this, I am a child of God, okay? So just t- take a second, do that. Here we go, it's participatory, here we go. Good. All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. We're participating today. Here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing for us is that we have two sets of different people. We have shouters who go like this. Yes, I am a child of God. God loves me. And then on the other side, we have doubters who simply go, if God is a loving father, Why would God love someone like me? And if we're honest, remember we have to, we're in a church, even the shouters at times become doubters. Even those of us that have incredible amounts of faith, there are moments where we stop and we doubt and we ask ourselves this question, can God really love me? Does God really love me? Maybe you, when I say the dad or father, have a dad who showed up at every game. Maybe you have a dad who taught you fishing. Maybe you have a dad who taught you how to change the oil in your car. Or maybe you have a dad that suddenly brings up some pain and some hurt. What we need to acknowledge this morning is that our earthly father is not our Heavenly Father. And that's going to be hard for us because they share the same name. If you've ever wondered or doubted if God loved you, if you've ever desperately searched for approval or affirmation or acceptance, then this message is for you. Now, I have to say this. My dad is actually a great dad. He and my mom are out with me at camp volunteering. They run the coffee cabin. They serve boxes and boxes of french fries. My dad is one of those great dads. But my dad doesn't even compare to who God is. You see, God is so much more God's called you, he's equipped you, his spirit lives inside of you, and maybe that's all you needed to hear today. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to spend some time in Luke. Now, the the beauty is it will be on the screen behind me, but Luke 8 verse 40, we're going to pick up a story here. Anytime we read God's word, we want to ask ourselves, what does it tell us about God and what does it tell us about ourselves? Okay, so those two pieces... Luke 8 verse 40, throw yourself into the story, use your imagination. Verse 40 it says this, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet. He pleaded with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Do you see that? Look at the end of 42. As Jesus was on his ways, the crowd almost crushed him. Verse 43, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Verse 45, Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter, good old Peter, says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she couldn't go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all people, she told why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. And then look at verse 48, Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I love verse forty-eight, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go live a life of peace. So we we've got this earthly father whose daughter is dying. For you that are dads, you do what it it would you wouldn't stop at anything. You want to get her well. You want to get her healed. You are a religious leader in the synagogues. We know what religious leaders were like in those days. Those days, they didn't like Jesus. Jesus was their competition. It'd be like shopping at No Frills when you work at Sobeys. But Jesus was... uh, The Father, sorry, the Father was willing to risk His reputation, even His job... As a religious leader, he's a good dad. He goes after Jesus and Jesus. What does Jesus do? Jesus goes, I'll go with you. I'll I'll walk with you. I'll go to your house. Jesus goes with him and starts to walk. But then what does Jesus do? Jesus stops. Now, that's kind of like taking your pregnant wife who's in labor and stopping to get burgers and a shake and a fry just on the way to the hospital. You could imagine being the dad. My daughter is dying, Jesus. Why are we stopping? I mean, I've got here. I've done everything. This is the last resort. Jarius must have been a little disappointed with Jesus. Maybe he was a little disillusioned with Jesus. Why are you stopping? One could even make the conclusion that in that moment, his perception of Jesus, his view of Jesus changed. And this can happen to you and me. Maybe it was your dad that called you something when you were crying and that hurt you. Maybe it was that absent father who worked all the time and didn't have time for you. Maybe... You never got to know your father or perhaps it was a coach or teacher or friend or parental figure and they said something to you and it hurt you. And that caused a wound inside of you and you became disappointed or disillusioned. And here's what happens. You see, our earthly relationships impact the way that we view our heavenly relationship with God. And I, I, I want to just take a minute. I want to give you three lies that we typically believe about God. Here's the very first one. God is judgmental. See, I just think that in my mind. That tape recorder keeps playing. He's judgmental. God judges me by my mistakes. He judges me by the things that I've done wrong. But friends, the truth is God is actually compassionate listen to what david penned in psalm 103 verse 13 as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear who fear him so the lie is god is judgmental the truth is that god is actually compassionate Here's the second lie that we have on that tape recorder in our mind. God is very angry. God's just waiting for me to mess up. He's just waiting for me to fail. He's waiting for me to lose my temper. He wants to strike me down. Here's what Exodus 34 verse 6 says. And God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the, compassion, the compassionate and gracious God. He is slow to anger. He abounds in love and faithfulness. See, the truth is that our Heavenly Father is quite patient. Then the third one, God is hateful. That's the lie we tell in our mind. How could God love me? How could God love someone like me? God hates me. God hates who I am. Romans 5, verse 8 says it this way God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The key word in that whole verse is still. (laughs) While we were still sinners. See, God is loving, He's a loving Father. The lie is that he hates us. The truth is that he loves us. So let's go back to the story just for a second. Throw yourself back into that story. So we, we've got the 12 year old daughter who's at home sick. She's dying. She has no control over the situation. She can't get up. She can go to, Je- she can't go to Jesus, but she has a dad who could. Then you have a woman who's suffering for 12 years. Well, let's let's unpack that a little bit. For 12 years, this woman is hemorrhaging and she spent all her money to find a cure but can't find a cure. Because of this disease, she is thrown to the outside of the city. She is ceremonially unclean. She can't touch anyone or anything without making them unclean. It's like playing tag, and you're the person that's it. So think about this. 12 years. 12 years without going, uh, without having that basic need of human touch. 12 years without being able to love someone, embrace someone. 12 years without hugging someone, without receiving a kiss. 12 years of completely being abandoned. 12 years of completely being on the outside. She couldn't touch anyone, let alone anything. She couldn't sit because that would become unclean. And so she doesn't have anyone to go on her behalf. And you see both need healing, otherwise they'll both die. The truth is this, friends, no matter how you grew up, We all have wounds that need healing. And that healing only becomes when we experience the love of the Father. So how do we experience the love of the Father? Here's three ways. The very first one, Jesus walks with us. He walks with us. That's what God does. Jesus walked with Jairus. Jesus walked to the house to see this this father's uh, daughter see whatever your situation is whether you're in on the mountaintop or you're in the valley jesus walks with you jesus says i will walk with you deuteronomy verse 31 verse uh, deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 says this the lord himself goes before you and will be with you He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Unfortunately, in 2022, many people are walking alone. We're walking by ourselves. We're walking through life on our own. And honestly, it just sucks. When you walk through life and the challenges that you and I face, Maybe we've got some bad news. Maybe we've got no one to share that with. But we have a God who wants to walk with us. Maybe you find out that a family member is sick with a terminal disease. And you're walking by yourself and there's no one to inspire you to believe that God can actually heal. Maybe you're walking through life and someone betrays you and you're by yourself. You're alone with that pain. Or maybe it's something really good. Maybe you get a promotion and you've got no one to celebrate with. No one to jump around with. No one to just cheer you on. Friends, walking alone sucks. But when Jesus walks with you, everything changes. You see, there's something special about walking with someone who loves you. And if you're going to walk with someone, walk with someone who actually loves you. Michelle walks with me. My churches walk with me. We all need someone who walks with us. And that first person is Jesus. Here's the second thing. It's even more powerful than the first that Jesus walks with us. Jesus stops for us. See, that's what Jesus does. Jesus stopped for the woman with the issue of blood. He stopped for her. And Jesus, God has been stopping for you from the beginning of time. What do you do? In Genesis, we hear that God worked for six days. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He stopped to rest. He stopped to rest to show us that we need to rest and be refreshed in him. From creation all the way to now, Jesus and God stops for us. If you feel like you're unlovable, he stops for you. If you feel like you're unworthy, he stops for you. If you feel like you're beyond forgiveness, he stops for you. If you feel unseen, you feel unknown, you feel like you're overlooked, you feel like no one listens to you, Jesus stops for you. And if you reach out for Jesus, guess what? He'll stop for you. He'll stop whatever He's doing to walk with you. He's not going to leave you behind. Friends, listen to me this morning. He's stopping for you. He's stopping for you right here, right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard your life has been. He's stopping for you in this moment. He walks with us. He stops for us. And I love this. He talks to us. I love this in Scripture. Hundreds of times it's referenced in the Bible that God speaks to man. And in our story, he speaks to the woman. I want you to see this progression that happens. Check this out. She goes from ceremonially unclean, ostracized from community, and then she becomes a part of the crowd. She's just one in the crowd. But then she reaches out to Jesus, and healing happens in an instant. He looks at her. He calls her daughter. This is the only place in Scripture where Jesus calls someone daughter. She goes from being in the crowd to being a daughter of the living king. You see, the lavish love of the father labels you as his child. And you might say, but Matt, I thought labels weren't good. No, you need to understand. There's some of you that you have been, you have had someone place a label on your life. But when you receive the love of the Father, His lavish love over you, it takes away all those labels and marks you as His child. Friends, you are a child of the God, of God. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. His lavish love does that to us. He walks with us. He stops for us. He talks to us. But Matt, what happened to that little girl who was dying? You see, many times we think that when Jesus is working on someone else's issues, he's left us behind. But I promise you, his love is way bigger than that. His love is bigger to cover all of that. So what happens with the 12-year-old daughter who's dying? Some men came and told the dad, Hey, it's too late. She's died. She's passed away. Stop bothering Jesus. It's too late. But friends, you see, when all hope is gone, when it seems like the end has arrived, when it seems like there's no way out, then Jesus steps in and he says, no, I've got the last say. So what does he do? He walks with Jairus. He gets to the house. He stops there. He talks to the little girl. He grabs her hand. And in Luke 8, verse 54, he says this. He took her by the hand. And said, my child, get up. See, your situation may appear dead. It may appear hopeless. Maybe it's a relationship that you've been fighting through. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been battling with. Maybe it's in your finances. You may even feel like Jesus has stopped working on your situation and he's focused on someone else. But let me tell you this. Your heavenly father can handle it all. His love is big enough and he's not stopped working on you. He didn't quit. He's not done. His love is big enough. His love is big enough for the woman. His love was big enough for the little girl. Friends, amen. That is our God. We started in 1st John 3-1. Hopefully this will put the, the bow on the package. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. Let me pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, may it be the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, help us have a new understanding of what it means to have a heavenly Father. We are so honored that you look at us and you call us your children. May that truth about who you are resonate deep in our hearts and minds. And may we be propelled to uh, tell others about a heavenly Father who looks at us and says, you are my children. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.